It's a beautiful day to be alive. Might even be a little bit hot today, uh, just for you. It's um, spring in Huntington Beach. Um, hey, we are so excited that you are here, sincerely, and we give you these little bulletins as you come in uh, for a reason. So they've got stuff in them, right? They've got, they've got a little outline for the message. You can follow along with the message if that's helpful. They've got information on things that are going on so you can get plugged in. There's no excuse to say, I don't know what's going on in this church. You can just show up at stuff. You can email people. You can find out questions, and we would love for you to do that and be a part of whatever you want to be. And on this bulletin itself, uh, we have this connect card attached to the back. It's perforated. That means it like tears easy. If you didn't know what perforation is, that. And, uh, and you can fill it out if you are here maybe for the first time or second time and you haven't filled one of these out before. Do that. We're not stalkers. We're not weird. We're pretty decent people. Hopefully, you have found us to be very friendly already greeted by folks on the patio. Uh, That's just who we are. We're a bunch of people that have discovered that doing life our own way, just kind of like running down our own things and own pursuits and whatever, that that didn't work very well. And so we have found purpose and hope uh, in this God, and we enjoy coming together and and running after this God together. And so that's what you're a part of. That's what this gathering is. And so we we welcome you. Uh, Also in your bulletin is this envelope. It's tax season. I just met with our friendly tax guy this past week. And so that, that's why we do all these details here so that you can get tax credit for the IRS. But really, what we are about is saying uh, that we agree and we just say that God gives us everything that we have. Like every good thing we have is a gift from God. So our response is to give back to Him. And if you are part of this community and you believe in what God is doing through this church, we invite you to give in that envelope and put it in the back, uh, in those little boxes at the back, and uh, join us in, in that way. At the end of this service, I'm going to tell you about another kind of creative, unique thing that we'll be doing in terms of giving. So um, you, you know that, that will come later. We'll talk more about that. But now I have a different kind of question for you. If you could go back in time, anywhere in time, and be present at an event... What event would you choose? Play along with me. Go ahead. The resurrection. Uh, Your own birth. (laughs) I want to see just coming out the chute, what did I look like? What was the look on my mom's face? You meant Jesus' birth. And I distorted that for you. I'm sorry. Creation, I'm parting of the Red Sea might be something, but what I mean, like a Super Bowl, it doesn't have to be like spiritual stuff. Like, what, 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 what do you, what, where would you wish you were? Woodstock, I, like, we got that at 8 32. That's a popular answer. Wilt Chamberlain's 100 point game, that's a funny one. That's good. Anything else? That's precise. Uh, <laughs> Brooklyn Dodgers. Okay. Uh, okay, so I, what I want you to do is imagine with me that you, as we're looking at Luke chapter 3 today, and last week we talked about this crazy guy, John the Baptist. He was a prophet <clears throat> that was 
that was prophesied about himself. So for hundreds of years, someone said, hey, there's going to be this guy coming, and he's going to be weird, and he's going to proclaim that God is coming. He's going to make way. He's going to say, hey, prepare the way of the Lord, right? That's that's who this guy is, that he's going to come. And so John the Baptist shows up, and he's born. He just kind of enters human history, and... Uh, and he, as a prophet, has been, God has revealed something to him. He's, he's revealed to him that the God of the universe himself is coming to earth. And so John the Baptist is the one who announces that. John the Baptist is the one who says, hey, pay attention, get ready, because the God who created everything, the God who keeps breath in your lungs, the God who designed you and like wove your DNA and, and like brought you that spouse that you like and or the, that you don't or I don't know, and that, that God that is kind of orchestrating your your life, um, He's here. He's with us. And John is saying, this is the biggest event in the history of all humanity. God came in skin and He's here with us. Don't miss it. Prepare yourself. You're going to see him pretty soon. That's literally the ministry, the life, the purpose of John the Baptist. That is why he existed, to prepare the way of Jesus. And so we read a little bit about that last week. And, uh, and so we're going to look at the next verses, starting in verse 7 today, when John says to these religious people that start coming out in droves, so, so he's out in the wilderness and people hear about it and there's a buzz, like this John the Baptist guy is, he, you know, stuff's happening and people are like going into the water and coming back out and, and, and they're, you know, he's, he kind of smells bad, but he's provocative and, he, and he, he like wears animal hair and eats bugs and stuff, but, but he says some you know, profound things and, and people for whatever reason are drawn to him. And so they go out to see him in the wilderness. But he's the kind of guy that you go out to like in a group. You know what I mean? Like, like you don't go by yourself because you've heard the rumors, you've heard some of the things that, he's, that people have been saying about him and, and you know that he's got kind of like a harsh tone. He's coming at people and so you're getting a few buddies. Uh, because you don't know uh, how this is going to go. And maybe you're sitting kind of up in the bleachers of the wilderness er, er, area that he's in just to kind of keep him at arm's length because he's a little crazy and you've heard that. And so he sees, John the Baptist is there and he sees these people kind of coming in droves. And he recognizes them as kind of some of the religious elite in the community. And so he challenges them, he goes straight after them and he says this, John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. <laughs> you group of snakes, in essence. That's, that's his greeting. Uh, you group of snakes. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down. Dang, that's harsh, right? And he just he he goes after him and he essentially says, just because you do religious stuff, just because you keep yourself ceremonially clean, just because you know the right stuff in your head, just because you were born into this lineage doesn't mean you're okay. It doesn't mean you're tight with God. In fact, there should be fruit associated with your life. 
fruit evidence that you're connected to God. There should be fruit. It should be visible that God's life and love is pouring through you. It should be obvious. And so it sounded to everybody, I'm sure, like bad news, right? I mean, it sounded like, man, this guy is intense. I don't... I don't, even, I don't even like this guy. And yet, ironically, it's really good news. It's the beginning of Jesus where he comes and starts saying, here is the good news that I have for you. And even John's words, as harsh as they seem, are good news because he's saying to people like you and me now, it doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter what lineage you're from. It doesn't matter who daddy was or wasn't. It doesn't matter the religion that you grew up in. It doesn't matter all the stuff that you know or don't know, the way you dress or the money that you have. Everyone is about to have access to this God. So he's challenging the religious people who think they're the ones that get access and no one else. And he's saying, y'all are wrong. You're wrong. And I don't want you to miss what God is doing, I can't, I don't want you to miss it. I want you to prepare. I want you to find yourself on the right side of things here. And somehow, all these religious people that have come out in the wilderness to see this crazy guy, John, they're convicted. Now, in your head, have you ever been in a situation, maybe it's in here, or maybe it's out at some like political event, or you're watching a movie or something on TV, or you're reading a book, and you get like, convicted. You know, you, there's, there's something that happens. And, and maybe if you're kind of processing and making intellectual sense out of it and thinking, this is a rational argument. Does this, I, I can see how this works out in my life, or he's making some good points here. And so you're figuring it out in your head, but it goes beyond that. And something happens in here, in your heart or in your soul. And something is triggered internally. And even though like John, you're offended intellectually, maybe, Internally in your spirit, you know something needs to change. That, that, that this is beyond a rational argument. There is an, there is an irrational awakening that's beginning inside you. Most of you know something about that experience. And these people have that moment because John is going after them, offending them in their minds. And yet something happens in their soul. And look at their response. Verse 10, what should we do? What should we do? I'm sensing the conviction. I'm sensing that that it's not just this crazy guy in camel hair that is yelling at me, but there's something that God is saying to me too. So how should I respond? Tell me, what what should I do? They ask. Is there a step? that I can take? Is there a decision I need to make? Do I need to stop doing something? Do I need to start doing something? Because I I have this sense inside of me that the life, the track that I'm on, the way I'm doing things, the way I'm living, it's, it's, it's not quite right and God is getting my attention. And John's response to the people is very unexpected. It's shocking, really. Because when you're starting a revolution, if you look at human history, there's a lot of drama, there's mobs, there's power struggles, sometimes there's new technologies, there's agendas, there's mantras, there's 
All these kinds of things when, when revolutions are taking place and leadership is switching and there's, there's challenges and there's fights in the streets and there's all kinds of things like that. And, and this revolution that began in Jesus that John prepares the way for, it was very, very different. When the people are kind of sitting there convicted and wondering what we should do, John's response is this. Verse 11, John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. Anyone who has food should do the same. That's his challenge. That's what he tells people to do. If you have two shirts and you see that someone over here doesn't have any, no shirt, give them one of your two shirts. If you have food and you see here that someone doesn't have food or their family's not sure if they're going to eat this week, give them some of your food. There's nothing overly religious about this. He doesn't tell them to go wash their hands in something special or do some Hail Marys or, or to go pray a certain number of times or to read their Bible 30 minutes every day. He says, be generous. Then verse 12, even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they said, what should we do? Tax collector. There was like a couple of categories. There was like sinners in this day and there were tax collectors. Tax collectors were hated, right? It didn't even matter. It wasn't like, it wasn't like promiscuity. It wasn't like, uh, you know, even hurting someone or beating someone up. It was, you know, the, there were things that people would judge and say, oh, you shouldn't do this or that. But tax collectors were hated, because they worked for Rome and they took money from their own Jewish people. So they worked for Rome and charged them the ridiculous taxes that Rome was charging and some on top of that. And so they were robbing their own people blind just so that they could live in the big house on the hill or by the water. The tax collectors are coming out to crazy John the Baptist and something's happening in here for them. And they have this sense that which God's up to something. God's doing something in this time and in this place. And I, I, I might find myself on the wrong side of this equation. What should we do, they said. John responds to them, don't collect any more than you're required to. So you can keep doing your job as you're paid by Rome to do, but don't take a cent more because that's unjust. And then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? The soldiers, military people. And he replied, don't exhort any money, don't exhort money, and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Because they had power in those days, and so they would use their power to their own advantage over somebody else to, to, to line their pockets, to make their lives a little bit more comfortable. And the soldiers are now, they're feeling this thing in here. And it's just like, oh, my life isn't quite in line with, with what I think God has for me. And so, John, what should we do? And he says, don't, don't, do, don't take advantage of people the way you have been taking advantage of people. Nothing, nothing about perfect church attendance. Nothing about 
how long or beautiful your prayers are. Nothing about how many Bible verses you've memorized or what side of the aisle you find yourself on politically. He says, in essence, be generous and be just. Be generous and be just. Be generous. Share with others who are in need. Pay attention to the people around you that have needs. Because most of us tend to focus just on our own needs, and so we don't even see the needs around us. That's what happens when we are self-focused. We become blind to what's happening around us in the lives of other people, and thus end up missing out on what God's doing around us too. Be generous, he says, and be just. Do what's right. Do not, not just what you can justify, do what's just. And protect those who can't protect themselves. Now, this was a revolutionary, mind-blowing thing in this time. Even more so, if you're feeling a little bit challenged or convicted, it was even more so for these guys because in that day and in that culture, no one did anything for anyone else who couldn't repay the gift. Nobody did anything without being able to be repaid. So no one would invite you over to their house for dinner unless they believed that you were going to, in turn, invite them to your house for dinner. No one would throw a party for people that they didn't think could throw an even better party that they would then be invited to. It was always about leverage. It was always about paying back. It was always about, I'm going to bless you so that you will bless me. And if I don't think that you can bless me, why would I even do anything for you? That was the mindset in the first century. That's how they operated. That's still how a lot of people operate today. And so the beginning of the Jesus revolution is John the Baptist saying, I don't need you to do a bunch of religious stuff. I need you to be generous and be just because only then, only then will you see what God is doing in you and around you. Only then will you not miss God. These characteristics of generosity and justice continue to be the hallmark of the church for generations and centuries upon centuries. That's what the early church was known for. That's how they turned the world upside down because they went into places where people were sick and had nothing and cared for them. And they gave to people that could never repay. And to the culture at the time, it made no sense. And that's how this message of Jesus, this hope, this love, that no one is deserving of anything but by God's grace, he's given us the ability to reconnect to him and to have a relationship with him. That's how that message spread was through love expressed in generosity and justice. And years later, still in that kind of first century time, the apostle Paul is talking to his protege, Timothy. He's writing him a letter. It's recorded in your Bible as 1 Timothy. And he's writing, them a writing Timothy a letter and he's giving him wisdom. He's, he's kind of pouring out his heart and life to him and just saying, hey, these are the things that I want you to learn. You're a leader coming up in the church. Here's what I want you to know and be prepared for. 
And one of the things he teaches them is how to talk to rich people. And I know that most of you are sitting there thinking, oh good, convenient, because I am not rich. I mean, I know that there's rich people in this church, but I am not one of them. I had a hard time. Like, I, I go to Redbox, you know what I mean? Because $1.25 for a movie, that's, that's pushing it for me. And, uh, and you know, uh, there's people that are rich around here, and it's Huntington, so of course, you know, and in the, and in the church. And the, those rich people, they probably support the church and make sure that things happen here. I'm not rich. Here's the reality. Fact. Almost all of us are rich and just don't feel like we are. If you have a household income over $50,000, you're rich. You're in the top 4% of the world. If you have ever stood in your closet and wondered, what am I going to wear today? (laughs) You are rich because you have choices. If you have ever stood in line with an iPhone to purchase a newer iPhone, you are rich. You are in the top 4% of the world. And so Paul is talking to his protege, Timothy, and he's telling him, you're going you're gonna to interact with all kinds of wealthy people that don't even realize that they're wealthy, and here's what I want you to tell them. 1 Timothy chapter 6 says, Command those who are rich in this present world. And I know you don't think, you don't feel like you're rich, but just go with me. You are rich. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Since you live in Orange County, you might want to put that verse on your mirror for a few weeks. Because we just, comparatively to every other human being and society in this world, you're rich, you are. But what happens in America is we compare ourselves to other people in America that we see on television and we, be, we don't think we are. We don't think we have. We only see what we don't have instead of what we do have. And this verse clearly says that it is dangerous to put your hope in stuff. It's dangerous to think you need more and it's dangerous to think that what you have is sustaining your life. Wealth is not evil, but if it becomes your focus, if it becomes what you put your hope in, you're in trouble. God says, recognize that I'm the one who gives you everything. And so be someone who turns and gives away and is generous with others. Be rich in your good deeds because God has been generous with you. Remember John the Baptist? Pay attention Don't miss this. You want to be ready to see what God is going to do in this time and in this place and in this season of your life? Be generous and be just. That is how you align yourself with the kingdom of God and what God is doing. That's how you make sure that you don't miss them. 
in the early days of Mariner's Church, which started 40-plus years ago in Newport Beach. It began as a small group meeting in a little house, and they met at a little elementary school. The elementary school was called Mariner's Elementary School. That's how we got our name as a church. And the church grew, and then it went through some hard times, and it shrunk again. And my boss, Kenton Bishore, who's now the senior pastor at Irvine, he, he went on staff. He started to lead the church when he was about 30 years old, and the church was about 200 people. And he's tried to start growing it again from there. For four to five years in a row, the church was in decline, and the church did not meet its budget five years in a row. So they set a budget hoping that they would be able to do these kinds of ministry things, which you see on Sunday is just, is just a fraction of what we do. And they set a budget, and they have a few staff people. I think it was like three staff people. And they didn't meet their budget year after year after year. And so they're having to finish with three staff people. It was more, and they have to let people go. And they're having to shift their strategies and programs. And finally, in the fifth or sixth year, they figure some things out. The church starts to grow a little bit, and they make their budget for the year. Not only do they make their budget, but there's $10,000 left over at the end. And so the elders the, and, and some key staff people and everything, they're thinking, this is unbelievable. God is good. We're finally going in the right direction, up and to the right. We're out of the hole. We're out of the pit. We're moving forward. We see the promised land. Let's put that money away for a rainy day just in case something happens or we can really accelerate what we're doing. And they decided that they weren't going to do that. They decided to give all that money away. Ten grand above their budget, and they gave it all away to other organizations and to other ministries and to hurting people in the community to come alongside and just to make it a statement about the kind of church that we we're going to be. We we're going to be a church that trusts that God will provide for the things that he calls us to. And in our generosity, we're going to give to support his kingdom work in our city and our county. And we have done that and we have been a generous church ever since that day. That is part of the DNA. That is part of the, of the fabric of who Mariner's Church is. That's part of who you are and why you gravitate to this place. It's because we are a generous church. And we've been giving to other organizations and, and to other people in need ever since then. And that's just kind of the church that we've become. And you, many of you, not only give generously and sacrificially financially, but you also give of your time and you invest in the lives of other people. And I wanted to show you a quick video of one of those ways that that's playing out right now in, in our communities uh, in Orange County. So watch this video and then Monica is going to take it from there. moved in in January 2013 here in this complex and I heard that some people would be coming to help us plant a garden and in my mind I imagine they would be putting maybe a couple of flower beds um, <coughs> maybe they would help us clip some of the trees that we had but I never imagined that they would put six beds of vegetables I saw 
saw them all get into a group, a circle, and they prayed. And um, I remember Denise was there saying something to the effect, um, get out of your comfort zone. I believe that we had to also get out of our comfort zone. When we moved in, we kind of got into ourselves and got in our own schedule, and we didn't reach out to each other. So I noticed that as we had to start working together on the garden, um, even the children were getting involved, and they were finding little caterpillars and grasshoppers and, and getting all excited, and they were playing together, and then us moms were, um, were working together, getting on our hands and knees, and getting to know um, some of the people from Mariners as well. It was a very positive thing and very exciting. I wrote the Fancy Card because I felt overwhelmed <coughs> with the generosity of Mariners Church. I see people coming here every month and they take time out of their lives and they're putting themselves into to our lives and we don't they don't even know us. They just come here, I know they come here to serve Jesus. I was inspired by that. I thought, wow, you know, they don't have to do this. They could just continue on with their lives. They could just go to church every Sunday, but they they're serving us. And um it's interesting because I used to be on the other side, serving others and being on the receiving end. It's, um, it's overwhelming. It's humbling, very humbling. And I definitely feel Christ's love through people's working hands. I'm really grateful. So thank you. So we got to hear this story of a woman whose life was radically changed by people in our church who were radically generous, especially with their time. And it is such a joy for me to be a part of a church that is known by our generosity and our service. And it's amazing to me that God chooses to use people like you and me that are flawed and broken to change people's lives like this woman's. So I'm so excited to be here this morning on another outreach weekend um, just to share with our community and across all four Mariners campuses as we get to make a difference and impact Orange County and all around the world. Um, so we get to be the church. We get to be generous and be just, just like Caleb was talking about um, back in the day of John the Baptist. And so for us, um, in this Be Fearless campaign, um, this morning we get to donate financially and 60% of that gets to stay here locally, and then 40% goes out globally. And these are all partnerships that we have vetted and that we believe in their long-term vision, and we just want to walk, walk alongside of them um, and support them and what they already are doing to make an impact in people's lives. So what does this look like for us as a community, for us in Huntington Beach? What should we do, um, as the people asked back in the day of John? Let me give you a picture of the difference that we can make through our generosity. This is just going to be a snapshot of some of the types of projects that we get to be a part of um, through Be Fearless. First, we are going to fund programs to feed, house, and clothe at-risk youth and families. Um, this is super exciting for us because many of you know that two miles from here, we have the Oakview community. Um, that is home to a number of low-income families. And many of you have volunteered in Oakview. Many of you participated in Christmas wish list or Christmas extravaganza um, out of our last outreach weekend. And my life group actually got the opportunity to go and personally deliver the Christmas gifts to the family um, that we chose. And I'll never forget sitting there with 
the grandma and her just saying thank you so much, not just for the material gifts that we brought, but more than anything for the time that we took out of our day, the hour that we gave to come and personally meet the kids that we were getting the gift, giving the gifts to. Um, and it was, it was the relationship that mattered to her and they felt valued. And so that's what we get to be a part of. And we know that the Oakview Family Resource Center um, can't sustain the needs of these families on their own, whether it's shoes or clothing or food or even adult education programs. So that's where we get to step in and play a role. And so we're super excited about this new and growing partnership in that community. Next, we get to provide educational support for at-risk children and teens. Did you know that a child that is in an after-school education program is as much as 50% less likely to engage in violence 40% less likely to engage in alcohol or drug use, and 25% less likely to engage in sexual activity. That's huge. And that's why programs like this are needed. And so we get to be a part of a community center right here in Pacific Court, so down the street from our offices. And a number of you volunteer as tutors there multiple times throughout the week. We tutor kids three nights a week. And there's a couple, Kevin and Cheryl White, that started volunteering in the fall. And Kevin was just sharing with me the other day about one of the girls that they tutor. He said, Gabby would rather be there with us than at home. We have no idea what home is like, but we do know that these kids show up every single week to spend time with us. They're smart kids. They really don't need me to tutor them. But it's just being there. That's what makes a difference. They crave relationship, and we just get to guide them in the right direction. That is being Jesus, and that's what we get to be a part of. And so through the Be Fearless campaign, we get to fund even more programs there um, to build more capacity to tutor more kids and then eventually also launch adult programs, which is super exciting. We also are going to be providing basic medical care, both locally and globally. And so throughout all four of our campuses um, at Mariner's, we host one-day medical clinics where people can receive medical, dental, vision, and spiritual care. And we serve typically between four to 500 people. And just recently, we had a clinic, and it was, there were people showing up at four in the morning in the pouring down rain just because they knew this might be their only chance to get medical attention. We also are going to be a part of funding job training and literacy classes. And it's been proven that the quality of job that's available to a person in poverty significantly improves with just a little bit of basic training. So we get to be able to empower these people to eventually be able to provide for themselves. Next, we get to strengthen and support military families. And this is especially relevant for our Mission Viejo campus because they're super close to Camp Pendleton. So we're excited to partner with them in that. And we also get to help improve homeless shelter living conditions. Next, we get to build Christian-based sports programs for at-risk youth, both locally and globally. And we have learned that sports breaks down walls and barriers and culture. And so here in Huntington Beach, we're super grateful for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes volleyball program um, that Graham and then a number of other attendees participate in and lead, and they are active in the lives of youth here in Huntington Beach on a weekly basis, so we're very grateful for that. And then we also get to be a part of hosting sports clinics down in Mexico. Last summer, you might remember, we hosted a clinic that our student ministries put on, and they had over 150 kids show up, 
And that week, soccer was the universal language that broke down those barriers. And so now, every time we show up in that neighborhood, the kids come running and ask, what sport are we going to play today? So that's super fun for us to be able to just build relationship and have sports be the avenue for that. We also are creating a sustainable local food supply in Mexico. There was a breakfast program that was started a couple years ago in the Rojo Gomez neighborhood, which surrounds the El Nino church that we partner with. And they have seen that just in the couple years that they've been providing breakfast for these kids, that their academic performance has increased by over 50%, which is amazing for us to be able to help provide that for them. We also, as many of you know, um, get to help with building homes and orphanages in Uganda, Haiti, Kenya, and Mexico. So for us here in Huntington Beach, our partnership is with Mexico, and we love our friends from Mexico. We're so grateful for the relationship that we've gotten to build with Pastor Daniel and his family and some of the other leaders in the community there, Renee and his family who are here with us today. Um, and so it's so fun to see what God has done even over the past year um, down in Mexico. Since our last Be Fearless campaign last spring, we've taken six faith adventures down there with over 100 volunteers that have gone to serve. And that's over 1,200 volunteer hours combined. We have done drywall at two different churches there, and we've obviously significantly contributed to the construction at the ministry house in Rosarito that we've been working on over the past couple of months. And that will end up blessing so many people over the years as they get to go and have retreats there. So you actually have the opportunity to join us in that partnership in Mexico. Um, coming up two weeks from now, on Saturday the 29th, we're going to be taking down another trip. Um, it'll be our last time going to the house in Rosarito to finish everything and paint everything. So make sure you find out more about that on the patio today. And lastly, we are going to help um, launch a church plant in war-torn Congo. There is a couple, Camille and Esther, that have been a part of the Mariners community um, over the years, and they're actually from the Congo, but came back to live in the States for a while, and they believe that they've heard God's voice to plant a church there, and so we want to stand with them as they do that. So, that's a lot, and it's amazing. It's amazing um, that all of this and more is what we get to be a part of by your generosity today. So I ask that you would give generously out of the much or the little that you have, because I believe that we all have something to give. Even our children's and student ministries are participating, so challenge your kids and ask them how they're going to be fearless with us. Um, there will also be an opportunity today to commit to serving one hour over the next one month, and this is... This is who God has designed us to be. So we get an incredible opportunity to step out um, and take this leap of faith. And so I do want to say loud and clear that as important as the financial piece is, it's not just a financial transaction. This is about moving our hearts towards Jesus and becoming more like him. It is our hope, our prayer, our goal that when you go to serve, that you would fall in love with the people that you are serving just like in some of the stories that I've shared. Because it's in relationship that people encounter Jesus. It's in relationship that lives are transformed, not just in getting a check. These people need it, and you need it for your own heart. I need it for my own heart. It's your eyeballs, your hands, your smile, your presence. That's what the light and love of God is going to shine through. 
And so it's our hope that when you show up in Oakview to serve the kids and the families there, that you would fall in love with them and that you would want to continue going back and going back to serve and to be in relationship with these kids and families. I actually had a personal experience like that about a month ago when I was in Oakview at the Family Resource Center and I was there to meet with the director and I was waiting in their community room um, for about 15 minutes and quickly was surrounded by three young Hispanic moms and um, a bunch of their little kids running around and they shared with me that they were there to get shoes and a jacket for their kids so their kids could go to school the next day. And it, if it weren't for the resource center, their kids might have never had the chance to even go to school. But it was in that moment that I knew that it wasn't just about the shoes and the clothes that they were there. Um, they were so eager to share their stories with me, to, to just be listened to, and for me to just be with them. And so I know that I have to go back. I have fallen in love with these people, and I'm so excited for you guys to go back with me and to fall in love with those people, or the people in Mexico, or the kids at Pacific Court. And so it's a privilege to be able to be a part of that and what God is doing in our community. And so today, we've made it simple and easy so that everyone can play. Yeah, because what I sense, what I feel, is that you're sitting there going... Uh, there's, there's something happening in here, right? What should we do, right? So we're going to tell you exactly what to do. It's going to be really simple. We've done the math, and we have a goal across all of our Mariners churches to give $750,000 away, at least, uh, to other organizations, to other needs in our community and in the places that Monica has described. Three quarters of a million dollars. Um, and the way we broke that down is that if every, our average kind of attendance at every campus, if every person made one simple gift of $39.95, we would hit that mark. That's right. One simple gift of $39.95. You might be sitting here thinking, but I've just started coming here. I don't even know who you are, and I don't even trust this place. Conveniently for you, this all, every cent of this money is going to go into the places where Monica described. Not, not a cent of it is going to go to our church. We trust and believe in what God is doing in our community, that he will provide for our community, that people in our community are generous and give, and that you, you will sustain our church, and we're not worried about that. And so we do an offering like this to say everything you give goes into the community in all the places that Monica just described. So you can give much more than $39.95, but that's what we would encourage you and challenge you to start with at least. And it's going to be real simple. Uh, Someone in an orange shirt like this is going to be out on the patio with an iPad. You can give cash or you can give via Square credit. We're so 21st century. And so Monica is going to get this thing ready to go, and she's going to ask you a question like she'll ask me. Caleb, how would you like to be fearless today? I'm going to give $39.95, Monica. Just $39.95? Yes, Monica, because I have to do this in three services. Okay, $39.95. Okay, sign here, please. Okay, a little, like, finger squiggle. There we go. And you're done. And we're done. Thank you. You can get a receipt, you can have an email to you, whatever else. So it's that simple. And wait, there's more, right? There's um, more. You can, 
you can also, we also want to encourage you to serve. So it's not just the transaction of uh, the monetary transaction, but we want to challenge you to serve one hour in the next one month. Uh, it's really simple. Everyone can do that. Even if you've never donated your time in any way, shape, or form in your life, uh, this is a great opportunity to start. And so there's going to be cards out there that tell you exactly how you can get involved, exactly how you can serve. Anyone with an orange shirt on will have uh, information and can point you in that direction and do it. Just do it because you don't want to miss what God is doing in our community, what he's doing in this time and place. And there's something about being generous and being just that gets God's attention and helps you to align with his heart to participate in his ongoing revolution in the world and in our community. And we want you to be a part of it. That's who we are in this community, right? That's right. And, uh, and so here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to finish this, this morning a little bit differently uh, so would you stand with me? Thank you, Monica. Typically, as we finish services, uh, the band comes up here and plays, and we respond in that way. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to re- respond differently today. I want to pray God's blessing over you before you go. Here we go. And then we're going to play some kind of thing in the background real fast <laughs> of no particular relevance. And then... And then I am going to pray over you. So if you want to just take a posture with your hands out, all this simply means is that you're acknowledging that you receive from God, that you are not your own God. You are not your own provider. He gives you the mind that you have, the opportunities that you have, the connections that you have, the blessings that you have. And God, I pray as you look over your people that you would help us to see how generous you have been with us and that you would give us your heart to be generous and to be just in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now go give and get involved. God bless.